Let's get right into our topic today. We're on essentials, practical issues and things that we must have in our life if we're going to succeed. Let's go right to our text in Psalms 90. It's the Psalm of Moses, and it says, teach us to number our days aright. And we've shared with you two things. What he's saying is, is that I need to realize that I've only got so many days left. And how many knows that when you feel like you've got excess of something, you don't manage it well? If, when you have extra money, you blow it. When you have extra time, you waste it. You, you know, when you know you've got limited issues of something, you manage it better. And this is what the writer, the, psalm, the psalmist Moses here is saying. He's saying the psalmist Moses here, just help us to number our days aright that we realize we've got limited days and then what we do with them, how, how we manage them, how we steward those days and make them the most productive days we can. Why? That we may gain a heart of wisdom. And he didn't say knowledge, knowing what to do because most of us already know what to do. How I many found that out? You already know what you need to do in your marriage. You know what you need to do in finance. You know what you need to do in your health. You know what you need to do in all these areas. I know what I'm supposed to do. Most of us do. But how do I do it? And that's where wisdom comes in. And that's where these practical messages have not been new revelation to most of you. Some it's new, but most of you it's not. It's, you already know what to do. We just want to help you know how to do it and be more productive at it. So we've been bringing some truths in that. And so here's the scripture, help me to number my days, help me to see my days aright that I can use them properly. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when we understand that God, your spiritual life is the first priority, and I know you expect a pastor to tell you that, but if you want to have the greatest year of your life in 2016, have the greatest spiritual year of your life. And if your spiritual life is the best it's ever been, you're going to have the best year you've ever had. Just try me on that and see if I'm not telling you the truth. And so I want you to encourage you to really focus on that today. And I shared with you over the last three weeks that there's two things that if you can look at these two areas of a person's life, it'll tell you what's priority in their life. Number one is how they spend their time. How does a person use their time? Is it productive? Is it wasted? What did you do with the hours that God gave you last week? And then number two is how we spend our money. How, what do we do with the resources that God has put in our life? And if you want to know that, just look at someone's checkbook. Now, and now if you don't know what a checkbook is, it's this little paper thing they give you at the bank if you're 40 and above. And, but how do I spend my resources? What, what do I do with them tells what's priority in my life. And today I'm going to talk to you about a topic that's taboo. I'm going to talk to you about money. I'm going to talk to you about how to have the greatest year of your life financially. All right. Now, see, some already tuned me out. Oh, preacher's going to talk about money. If you're a guest here, you will find out that I talk about money probably less than any pastor in this town. And we spend less time taking offerings here than probably any church in this town. But yet, we are right now, the average giver in this church gives one and a half times the average of any giver in the Church of America today. Not because our people make more money, but they understand the principles of giving. Right. And so I don't come up here and beg and plague and pray. I'm not, I don't want your money today, so go ahead and get your notes back out and get your pen back open and, and get ready because I, I don't want anything from you today. I want to help you today. Right. I want to give to you today. And so I want you to stay with me today. And so I'm going to talk to you about this thing because preachers have done an injustice to the church they have an injustice to Christians to come up and, and pressure people to give and to get widows to give what they don't have so that they can have a Bentley and a big house and a big car. And I don't want anything from you today. 
I drive a 2005 Titan truck with 272,000 miles on it, and I love it because it's paid for. I, I don't need a 80,000, 100,000. I'm not against you if you have. I love people in my church that have $80,000 cars because that means they have money and they tithe. I, I love for you to have fancy cars. I just like my truck, okay? And uh, But I, I, there's only one person. What I found out, a lot of people own stuff that they really don't even like. They just know other people like it. There's just some things I found out in life, you know, and there's only one person in life that I need to impress, and she's already hung out with me for 35 years, and she really don't care what I drive as long as I come home at night, and uh, she's not impressed by that, okay? And so what I want you to know is I'm not after your money. I, I, I don't depend on this church for my income, though this church pays me, but this church is not the source of finances for my family. God is. And if I lost the check here today, I'm still going to sleep fine tonight because God has proven to take care of my family. And so I want you to understand, I want to teach you today to help you and help your family, all right? Do you know that there's 38 uh, parables in the Bible? And parables are little stories that Jesus used to paint a picture so people can understand and see it, not just hear it, and really grasp it. And 16 of those deal with money. Do you know there's 500 verses in the Bible about prayer, but there's 2,000 about money? So maybe God realized that there's something there deeper than how much am I giving him on a Sunday morning? Because God doesn't want your stuff. He doesn't need your stuff. The streets where he lives is made of gold, so I don't think my tithe is gonna have an economical impact on heaven because I just don't give that much. Anybody with me? I don't think anybody in here's tithe is gonna create a bank issue in heaven. So God's not after our stuff. He wants to know where's your heart. That's all tithing's about. It's not even about what you give. It's about where your heart's at when you give it. And so many go, well, I, I don't want to tithe because tithing was under the law. Well, I'm going to show you today that tithing was started 2,500 years before the law. It's not a law issue. And I want, to sh I want to help some of you. Go with me to Genesis chapter 4. And we're going to talk about two brothers named Cain and Abel. And the Bible says, now Abel kept flocks. He was a herdsman. He had animals. He had flocks. And Cain worked the field. He was a farmer. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Very important, in the course of time. Hang on to those words. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look favor. And, and that bothered me growing up as a young minister. I had questions on that. Well, why would God accept one and reject the other? They both brought with what they had. And I even asked questions in Bible college to my professors, and one of them had a pretty good answer. He said, uh, Cain wanted to, but he wasn't able. But, <laughs> that's funny. I don't care who you are. I just, you know. But, but one gave me an answer, and I believed it my whole life growing up in ministry, but I've, I've realized in, in maturing in the Word and being a student of the Word that it's not true, and I want to correct some false teaching today because we were taught that, well, God accepted Abel's because it had blood involved in it, that he brought an animal. And because there was bloodshed, God accepted that, but kings had no blood, so God rejected it. And I, and I accepted that as, well, I guess that's the answer. I didn't have anything better. But as I've grown up and I've lived the Scripture and I've watched God's hand work according to Scripture, I want to bring some truth to you to that because there was a key statement there, and it said that Cain worked the soil in the course of time, over a period of time, Cain brought from his harvest to the Lord over a course of time. And here's what Cain did. Cain grew his crop, 
He knew what he had. And when he had excess already there from the course of time, he would take from his excess and bring to the Lord a, a part of his harvest. But he didn't bring the first. He brought out of what he already had and knew he had extra. Abel brought the firstborn. He didn't know if his flock was going to grow or not. He didn't know if he was going to have enough for his family yet or not. But he brought the first. The key word there in God receiving or rejecting was God wants the first. And he only accepts the first. And he only blesses the first. And so when I, I pay all my bills and I do all that I need to do for me and I bring God out of the course of time what I have left, God says, I don't bless that. If it's not the first, I don't receive it. See, it's quiet in here right now. Because you see, God doesn't need our stuff. You know why God even established the principle of tithing? It wasn't to get your money because he don't need your money. You know why God established the principle of tithing? is he wants to know if he's first in your life because he needs to be first. I'm going to explain that. He wants to be first in your life. And when he's first, it opens up the door for him to bless the rest. But if he's not first, the door's not open for the blessing and the favor of God to flow in our life. And the goal is to communicate something to God. When we bring God our first, it tells God, you're first in my life. And I want to teach this today to our young people and many of you that are brand new in the church. You didn't grow up in church. You, you've seen preachers abuse this. You've watched preachers take money from people and build big houses and drive fancy cars and pastor appreciation. We don't do a pastor appreciation offering in this church. Now, it's not wrong for other pastors to do that, but we don't do it here. We quit that. Because I don't want little widow ladies out there sacrificing their money to give to my wife and I when we don't need it, and you do. And you know what? I don't build this church. We have a dream team, over 120 people that serve here every Sunday. Every musician on this stage, they give that time to this ministry. Every person greeting at a door, every person serving in this building, you're the ones that build this church. If we're going to honor anybody, we're going to honor you. And that's why Friday night we're having a dream team party and we're going to feed you, we're going to give to you, we're going to sow back into you and thank you. I, I don't need a pastor appreciation day. You appreciate me every week by coming to the house of God and honoring him and bringing your lost family and friends and let's go change our community with the hope of Jesus. I don't want your money. I want you to give God your obedience. And watch God's blessing flow in your life. And so here's what I want to talk to you about. You see, this is a principle I've been doing since I was 13 years old. I grew up in a home where we were poor. My dad didn't make a lot. As you know, our story, he quit school in the 10th grade to take care of his mom when his dad died. And, and he's the hardest working man I ever knew. But he was a tither. He understood the principle of God's word and that tithe and the power of it and the blessing it brings to your family. And my dad was a tither, and he taught us to give that 10%. Matter of fact, he taught us to give 15% in case we weren't there when the offering went by that God got our tithe and our offering. And we were raised that way. I started picking fruit when I was 13 years old to make a living, just to make money on the side in Central Florida. But when I brought that check, when I got that check, it wasn't that much. But more my dad sat down with me, and he goes, okay, we're going to deposit this, but here's what you do with the first. The first 10% goes to God. It goes to the church. I didn't want that. I worked hard for that. And it wasn't that much that it was going to bother God at all, so why? But he told me, no, your future depends on him getting your first. And then when I was 14 and 15, I was roofing because my dad was almost decapitated in an accident. And, and my brother and I started working for a roofer down the street. And we would roof after school and roof on weekends and in the summer. And every penny we made went to our family to help pay bills. 
But my dad made sure that that tithe came off of that check every time. And at 16, I was hanging drywall, 17, hanging drywall. I was on three-foot stilts, and they would drop me off at a house, and I'd hang the whole house, 16 years old, making a living. But that tenth went to God. And I can tell you, I can write a book today on the favor and the blessing of God that not only comes to me and my wife, but to my children and my grandchildren today that is supernatural. It is supernatural. I could write a book on God's blessing, unexpected blessing coming in our family because God set a standard not to get my money because he doesn't need my money. He wanted to know where do I stand in your life? Am I first? And you show me that by how you handle your finances. Now stay with me. You see, we operate the church this way. I model this church the same way we model our home, that the first tenth that comes in this church, every matter of fact, I met with our treasurer this morning. I said, I need to meet with you this week because our income has increased and our mission giving needs to increase with it because a tenth of every dollar that comes in this church, we take off the top before we pay a bill here, before we pay salaries here, before we pay anything in this church, we take a 10% off of every dollar that comes in here every week and we send it to missions and we give it away. And we don't get a penny of it because we practice what we preach as a church. Can I tell you, almost 30% of every dollar comes in this church we give out because we've understood the principle of sowing and reaping and obedience is better than sacrifice. And you know what God did? When we wanted this building, we didn't have the money for it. And the bank laughed at us. And they had two people with cash ready to buy it. A church in New Jersey heard about it and wired down the cash, $170,000, and bought this building for us. And they're tuning in right now and said, you don't even have to pay us back. We said, no, we don't operate that way. And a banker was ready to jump all over us then and give us whatever we needed. And we paid them back immediately. When, when we had Katrina happen, we opened a shelter. We didn't have a can of corn. Yet we had 384 people that we took care of for nine months that lost everything in, in Louisiana and came and stayed in our shelter. Over half a million dollars came through our hands for us to take care of these families and we didn't get on one program and ask for a dime because God supernaturally took care of that. When Hurricane Ivan came through, we lost all three of these buildings. We had nothing but outside walls and concrete floor left. We found out the only insurance we had was 50% coverage on this building, nothing on the back two. Totally destroyed, over a million dollars in damage estimated to redo it. They met with us and said, guess what? Because of the way you have talked to us, that's what they told me, our, our supervisors have met, and we're going to cover all three of your buildings 100%. And they did. What? Why? The favor of God is on the house that honors his word. Are you with me? I could go story after story. So here's what I want you to see. I want to give you three principles that are vital in your financial blessing and in your giving. How many wants this to be the greatest year of your life financially? Well, the other half of you won't. Amen, waiting on a lottery? (laughs) Hold your breath. And just read the stories. I don't even know if you want to win that or not. But you know what? I'd rather have the favor of God than any check man can get me. Because that comes and goes. But when you've got the favor of God on your life, unexpected stuff just keeps happening. Just keeps happening. So number one, God must be first. God must be first. First, if you're going to have financial blessing in your life, now, how many knows I can go make a living? You know, I, I don't need God in my life to make a good living. 
But how many's found out when you have it and you're in control of it, it goes quicker than it comes. And it goes more than it comes. How many's found that out? But God will take that 90 and make it do more than 100% will ever do in your life. Do I have any witnesses in here on time? It works, man. It works. God must have your first. All of the Bible is built on this foundational principle. God must be first. Let me explain this. In Exodus chapter 21 through 3, look at what it says. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Here it is. You shall have no other gods before me. I'm it. I'm it or I'm not at all. And then in Deuteronomy 6, look at what he says. He says, don't follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. Because guess, guess which God all your coworkers are going after. For the Lord your God who is among you, he's a jealous God. And some people get hung up on this and they go, well, what's God's issue, man? I mean, he got an ego up there that, you know, he's either everything or nothing. Has God got this ego thing going on? No, let me tell you why God says that. God is not religious, he's relational. And religion keeps wanting to make him religious to you and God doesn't live that way, he's relational. And when you're relational, my wife walked down an aisle, this beautiful lady on the front row, she walked down an aisle 35 years ago looking hot, hot, hot. I mean, and hot today, yes she is. (laughs) And she walked down that aisle and she held my hand and she looked at me and you know what she literally said? There's 3.5 million men out there that I could be doing this with today, that I could be saying yes to today. And you the man. I'm the man. I'm still the man. I'm still the man. No, don't do that. That's bad. That's why we wear jackets. And shirts are out. You know what she said? Out of three and a half million men out there, you it. You're number one. And I didn't look back at her and go, And out of 3.5 million women out there, you around two or three. There'd been hair, eyeballs, and teeth all over that altar. I can tell you. We we didn't do that. Because I said the same thing back to her. You're number one. And you know what? I don't go to bed at night going, where's my wife? Who's she with? What's she doing? Is she faithful or not? That is never a thought that's entered my mind in 35 years of marriage. Because she didn't tell me I was number one. She has shown me for 35 years I'm number one. And I don't think about that. And I tell you, that's all God is saying. He said, I just want to know that I'm number one in your life. He wants to be the first love and priority of your life. He's a jealous God. And he's not looking for a casual relationship with you. Many come to church and they want to date God. They want him to wine and dine them, but they don't want to make a commitment back. You want God to take you to the biggest restaurants in town and put the biggest rings on you and cars and houses and all that, but I don't want to make a commitment of marriage. God doesn't want to walk you to the door every night. He wants to go in the house with you. He wants to marry you. He wants that type of commitment from you and I. And we got to realize today that when God speaks this in our giving, what our giving is doing, because isn't that marriage? Giving? Isn't that relate giving relationship? And that's what God is saying. I just want to know that I'm first in your life. Your money, what you put on that check or you give on that card, the, the amount's not even the issue to me. I put a tenth down because I wanted to show, I want you to show me that this is what I'm willing to do. This is what I'm committed to, but I'm really interested in where do I fit in your life? Am I number one to you? Number two, God is first when we give him the first of everything. 
See, a lot of people will give God their time. They'll give God their talents. They'll give God their energy. But when it comes to that money, whoo, you're asking a lot, preacher. Because I, I understand today, I'm not up here going ignorant because it's tough today, isn't it? Anybody besides me, you, my wife does all of our finances. Yes, thank you, yes. I don't even know what we have in the bank. I just know when I went home last night, the lights were on. I, I don't know. I haven't seen a check in 35, I haven't. I haven't seen a check in 35 years. They give it to her. It's safer there because I like guns and four-wheelers and yeah, needs to go there. But what, what is he saying here? He's saying, I, I've got to be first. It's not about money. This is a message about money, but it's about everything. First things reveal priority. Do you hear me? Remember we talked about order, that the non-essentials can't be first and then try to force the essentials in. They don't fit. But if you put the big things in your life, the essentials like God, your family, your marriage, your, your finances, your spiritual life, you put those big things in first, you can pour those little non-essential pebbles in and they fit. And we share with you that illustration. And God's simply saying, I want to know where do I fit? And your giving shows me where I fit in your life. Am I number one? Am I the priority of your life? Do you know it's not just money? We gave God the first of our year when we just had 21 days of prayer. And you know what we did as a church? We got the attention of God. We really did. And, and there was 20, 30, 35, 40 people here some mornings at, nine, at 6 o'clock praying out to God for you and for our country and our nation and our city. We gave God the first of our year. We've got the rest of the year of this church. We're blessed. We've opened the door for God's blessing on it. And, and then when you come to church on Sunday morning, you're doing more than, okay, God's got my attendance in heaven. If I get to heaven, he's got my record, my crown. It's not about that. You know what you do when you come to church on a Sunday morning? You're giving God the first fruit of your week. You're giving God the first of your week, and you're going, God, I'm giving you the first of my week. Now the door's open for you to bless the rest. You're first in my life this week, God. I'm putting you ahead of boating. If, go to the beach today if you want to. Not, I, I, I'm ahead of the beach. You're, you're ahead of everything, God. You're first. That gets his attention. When you wake up in the morning, and, and by the way, do you know the average church attender today is recognized as someone who attends church once every month? Yeah, once a month is now considered in church statistics a regular tender. Let me just throw in this. Try that with your marriage. Show up one week a month. Hear all the oohs and ahs, and yet we do that to God and don't even think about it. And go, where's my blessing? Where's the favor? Where's the covenant? He's like, I don't know where you've been, who you've been with, and what you're bringing home. There ain't no covenant here. It is good preaching. Thank you for my relative back there. When you give God that first Sunday, you give God that Sunday, you're giving God the first of your week. You're saying you're number one in my life. When you wake up every morning and you give God the first of your day and worship my wife and on the way here today, we talked about how we're tweaking it. We're going to make it better in our house. We want to tweak it and keep making it better that the first of our morning is just God, just worship and prayer and a better. We want to do it better and we're doing now because we want God to know the first of every day of our life as a family is him. You give that to God, 
And you do it with your money. When you give God that, that tenth of your, your income, you take whatever, if you make a hundred, the first ten belongs to God. If you make a thousand, the first hundred belongs to God. God said, I'm just setting a time. I, 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 want, to, I want to know where I fit in your life. When I meet with couples, young couples in this church, and we do premarital counseling, one of the classes that I give is required is finances and budgeting. And I share with them, they're buying houses. Some of them, are, we got like two of our young couples getting married, buying their first house right now. They've met with me, and I, I tell them, when you buy that house, you don't have 100% to budget off of. That tenth comes off first. Now you work with this because you don't want your first house to be cursed. Amen. You want it to be blessed. And if you give God that first, he'll make this 90, buy houses and cars and things that you had never got with that 10%. This is a supernatural principle of God's word, and it works. It works. Leviticus put it like this. A tithe of everything from the land. Say everything. Everything, everything from the land, whether grain or from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. My wife's right there. She's a witness. I can tell you this. Every dollar that comes in my house, I don't care where it comes from, if I go out and preach somewhere and they give me an honorarium, if, if what Christmas gifts, anything that comes in our house, the first tenth goes to God. We go on vacation. We don't take our tithe with us. It stays in the storehouse because the covenant hasn't changed because I'm not here. Your tithe belongs in the storehouse whether you're here at church or not because it belongs to God. We have some of the most successful people in this church, and we're a multi-cultural church. We're a multi-social church. We're a multi-generational church. How many loves your church for that? Amen? And, and, but we've got some wealthy people here. We've got homeless people here. But I can tell you the successful financial people in this church, we've got several, and when they go on vacation, they literally drive by this church and hand us their tithe personally and go, we are not leaving here without taking care of this because we want God's blessing to keep staying on our family while we're gone. I mean, seriously, it happens. Why? They've learned the key. They've learned the secret. God says, show me that I'm number one. I'll take care of the rest. Seek ye first the kingdom and all these things. I got that. I got that taken care of. You still with me today? And so tithe means the tenth part, the first part. And it's not the tithe that God's looking at. It's not the, it's the first. God's only interested in the first. That's what God's looking at. It's not how much you put on there. It's the first. God wants to know he's first. When he's first, he takes care of everything else. Deuteronomy, it says in Deuteronomy 14, 23, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. Amen? Come here, Maddie. You're just looking so peaceful there. Come here, Maddie. Yeah. It's dangerous to sit close to the front with me. I've got $20 I'm going to give you. There's three fives and five. You want it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's a five missing somewhere. There it is. There's $20. I'm going to give this to you. It's a gift. All right? So it's yours, $20. Now, I'm going to ask you one thing. This is tithing. This is how simple it is. All I want to ask you is if I give that to you and I bless you with that, would you mind giving 10% of that or $2 back to the source that it came? Because in Corinthians 9, I have a covenant that says that if you sow, if you give to me, I'm going to give back to you and more so that you can give more so that I can give back to you and more. So you can, would you like to get into a cycle? And we're just going to do this every week. Is that okay with you? So you don't mind. You don't have to. 
If you just want the 20, you can keep that. But if you want to get into a cycle of blessing and giving, if you just give 10%, $2 that back, we're good. Would you like to do that? You don't have to. You want to? Okay. That's tithing. What does she do? She said, I received your blessing. Now, I just want to give back to the source from where it came so that we can start a cycle of sowing and reaping. And here's what God promised us. He said, I'm going to give back to you and more. He said in Malachi, here, you can keep it all. Thank you. He said in Malachi, give her a hand. Amen. He said in Malachi, bring your tithe, all your tithe to the storehouse. Storehouse is where you receive the word every week. Your tithe doesn't belong to a television evangelist. If you're a guest here today and you're visiting this church, your tithe don't belong here. Your tithe belongs in the church that you're fed at every week. You can give an offering here if you want to, but your tithe don't belong here. Your tithe belongs in the church that's been feeding you every Sunday. But you bring your tithe, Jesus said, to the storehouse where you're fed every week. And he said, watch this. He said, I'm going to destroy the devourer that's come to steal the fruit of your vine. How many had the enemy showing up trying to steal your finances? He said, I'm going to destroy him, and I'm going to bless you with a blessing beyond what you can contain. That means we're going to have access so we can bless others. How many would like that to be 216? And it's a covenant agreement that God has given with us when we put first things first. Here's number three, and let me hurry and wrap up here. Number three is the first or the tithe has the power to bless the rest. When you give God the first, it now enables the rest of your income, the rest of your resources to be blessed. When I keep the first, I've shut God out of my resources, and the blessing of God can't come. But when I bring God the first, and that's why next Sunday, we're so excited about this. Many of you have been asking. And so next Sunday is our first fruit Sunday. And the first fruit Sunday is when the Jewish people, they bring their, their first fruit of their crop, their first fruit of their harvest, and they literally plant their seed in the field. And, and when it begins to grow, and there's a first fruit or there's a first vegetable on their vine, they'll tie a ribbon around it and mark it as the first fruit of that vine or that branch or that bush. And when that fruit or vegetable is ripe, they break it off and identify it by that, that ribbon, and they bring the first fruit of their harvest to the temple, and the priest holds it up and gives it to God as the first fruit of their offering of their harvest and God says when you bring me the first fruit I'm going to bless the rest your harvest for that year has now been blessed by the Lord and, and we've been doing that for years and amazing testimonies come out of that as we honor God's word and so next Sunday we're challenging you to just pray this week we don't put a number on it swing you and God Many of us, we give a half a week's salary or a week's salary or it could be a day's salary, whatever you feel in your heart. This is above your tithe. We do it now. And so next Sunday is our first fruit offering. You pray about it. Bring it in a separate envelope than your tithe. And, and we're going to take that up at the end of the service and I'm going to hold it up to the Lord and our leaders are going to come around and we're going to bless it and give it to God and ask God to have a year of harvest and abundance on you and your family. Amen. Come on. How many is excited about this year? And, and then you bring your tithe. That's that. We do that twice a year. There's two seasons of harvest, and we'll do it again in the fall. And, and it's two seasons of harvest of the year. But then our tithe is our weekly or our monthly, however you're paid, that I bring, and I give that to God, saying, you're first in my life. You're first. And here's what Jesus said in Proverbs, the book of wisdom. In all your ways acknowledge him. Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of your crops. 
You're earning. You honor God with the first fruit. Every week when you get paid, you honor God with the first fruits. Every year we give our, our first fruit offering. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Go down to the bottom of your notes, and I'm going to answer these really quick. Five ways you can use your money. Number one, you can spend it. Say hallelujah. You can spend it. You can pay debt with it. Number two, most people here have some of that. Debt is buying things you don't need with money you don't have to impress the people you don't like. And that creates debt more than anything else in life. Number three, you're going to do this whether you want to or not. You're going to pay taxes. Uncle Sam will get his whether God does or not. Some are worried about going to jail more than they are going somewhere else. Number four, <laughs> number four is you'll save or invest it. Number five is you'll give it. Now, here's the tragedy, and I'm going to close with this. This is the order that most people use their money. We spend, go out and buy. We're not on a budget, so we just spend freely. We pay our debt with whatever we have left from spending. And then we'll deal with this whenever it gets here. Well, there ain't nothing for that left because we've already took care of that. Give what? Because by the time we get down here, there ain't nothing. And can I tell you the biblical order of finances is the opposite of that. That when I give first what belongs to God, I give him the first. He gets the first. I then now take a portion of that 5% or 3% or 5% or whatever I've made and I set over here for my family for an emergency. I take care of my taxes. I pay my debt. Then what I've got left I'm going hunting on. But I can promise you, my wife's never called me in a deer stand going, where's our mortgage money? Because I'll need more than a gun when I get home. Here's what I want you to see. Here's the whole message summed up in just one sentence. Order trumps everything. God's order trumps everything. And when you have your finances in the proper order, God's number one, your family's number two, then your legal issues are number three, then you manage your debt, and then you use whatever's left for your fund. You've got the right order, and God's going to bless your family. And you've set your family up for financial blessing. This isn't a get-rich scheme, because God doesn't run those. I don't want to be rich. I want to be favored. I'm not looking to be rich. I'm already rich. And I want to tell you something. My success in life is not found in the car that I drive or the house that I live in. It's not to impress you. My success in life, that's why I don't mind pulling up here in a used truck. I'm going to get me a new one one day. It's going to quit. Some days I pray quicker than I think so I can go ahead and get my new one. I'm not against you having a fancy car or a good, I, I think you ought to have something that looks good and it cranks when you turn it. So I'm not against having nice stuff. It's just cars haven't been my thing. Now, I got the best guns they make. I got the best bow they can make. I got the best. Cars just isn't my thing. If that's your thing, you ought to have a nice car. I just don't care. 
But here's the thing, that God gets to be first in everything. And when you have God first in order, all of a sudden I've opened the door for God's favor and blessing. And my wife and I experienced the favor, the blessing of God. We're getting on a plane Monday with Ashley and Brad. And I close with this. Many of you know our little grandson, Brad's son, Jabin, and Ashley's been diagnosed with a, a terminal brain issue. And uh, we, we got a call just not too long ago, and he's been selected by Make-A-Wish. And they said, where does he want to go? Where do you want to Where would he want to go? And he loved cars, the movie Cars. And he was fascinated by it when he could comprehend and and, and he would sit there for hours and watch cars just walk around and he, he could hear the music and here he had come. And the Disney in, in California, that's where they have the car museum for the movie and the actors and all are there. And they're flying us, all of us, and Jabin to California to go to the car museum to be there for four or five days and meet the actors and, and, and they're paying for the whole thing. Now, you may go, that don't mean nothing to me. It does to us. Because that's saying, God's saying, I still got my eye on you. I, I got this. You, you're not by yourself. I got this. You, you're not alone. I got Jabin. I got y'all. It's all right. It's okay. That's unexpected. It's called the favor of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. When you connect and you put him first, you open up the door for his blessing to flow in your life. Get the order right. If you've never been a tither, here's what Jesus said in the last scripture. You can read it. He said, test me. The only time he said it in scripture, just, just test me on this. Try me. He said, go look at the lilies of the field. They're white and they're beauty. He said, I feed them. I dress them. You, you're worried about clothes. You're worried about food. It's right there in your notes. You're, you're worried about the food you're going to eat this week. You're worried about the clothes your kids are going to wear. He said, I, I dress the lilies. I feed them from heaven. Look at the birds of the air. I, I clothe them. I cover them. I feed them. He said, how much more am I going to take care of you? Don't worry about these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that you're worrying about. God said, I got that. Just put me first. And if I'm first, I got the rest taken care of. Are you getting the message today? I don't want your money. God wants your obedience. And when he gets your obedience, you've opened the door for blessing to happen in your life in Jesus' name. Will you receive God's word today? You receive it? Amen. Bow your heads with me. And Father, I just thank you today for your grace. I thank you for your love. I thank you, God, that, Lord, you, you bring truth to us, God, not to beat us up, not, not to attack us, but you bring truth, God, so you can change our heart. You can change our thinking make us new and I pray over every family in this church today God as we've we've talked about Father a, a, a commitment of prayer the essential of prayer we've talked about the essential of order we've talked about the essential of time today we talk about the essential God of our finances of, of God putting you first in every aspect of life and I pray over the families God of this congregation over those on live stream Father I, I pray God over ministries and over homes and families today God that that, Lord, this is a year of supernatural resources, God, flowing in our life. That, that God, the government's not our, our resource, our dependence isn't on man out there. But, God, our dependence is on you and your word. That God, the secular economy can crash today, Father, but your economy is still strong. God, you take care of your people. And so I pray today that we receive the truth of this message today. That it's not about what you want from me as far as tangible things. You want first in my heart. 
God, you want to be first in my life. And so I pray for those, God, that are going to move out for the first time in, in tithing and giving, Lord, and trusting in a new measure. God, I pray over them today that, God, this is a year that, God, they will operate in obedience and that, God, blessing and favor is going to be opened up upon them and their family. While every head's bowed and every eye's closed, if you're here right now and you say, Pastor, today there's something even more important than that in my life that needs to take place first. I'm not where I need to be with Jesus today. I'm not a bad person, but I, I need to make some choices today, and, and, and I, I just want to make it right with God. I want to start this year off first by just saying, God, you're the Lord of my life first. That's the first thing I need to do. And Father, I just want you to be the first, the utmost in my life today. Pastor, I want to make that decision. If that's you, would you lift a hand right where you sit? Because I want to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you. Five or six hands going up right now. You can lower them down. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not coming to you. Anyone else, very quickly, say, that's me today. God bless you. I just want Jesus to be the Lord of my life today. I need to make that choice first. Anyone else before we pray? If you raise your hand or you did not, and you say, Pastor, today I'm ready to pray. Let's pray that prayer. I want you to join with me, and, and the church is going to pray it with you. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can receive you as my Lord and Savior. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. And I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a brand new person in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap for these that are...